0: Welcome to episode 20, sub movies. On this episode, Johnny and Eddie discuss movies that involve submarines. Johnny talks about a traumatic experience he had as a child that revolves around a Disney movie. Eddie mentions one of his favorite Western movies, which may surprise you. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage. Take a seat and put up your feet, because we're talking movies.
1: Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn.
0: And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're Talking Movies.
1: Well, you know, Eddie, last week I think we kind of went a little bit over, over time, I guess, although we would kind of free-wheeled this anyway. So because of that, I'm just going to get started right away and going to ask you the key question. Where are we going today, Eddie?
0: Well, Johnny, we're talking submarines. Um, I would like... Mine to have uh, roast beef. I'll do that lettuce, chicken thing. Cheese. I'll do that chicken. I don't, oh, wait a minute, wait, a minute. Not that kind of submarine, right?
1: Oh, we're not do- <laughs> Oh, oh. You're making me hungry. I just I always, I was jumping to. Yeah, don't jump to conclusions, right? Okay. Yeah, we are talking movies here. We're not talking. This isn't the food podcast. Anyway, we kind of got carried away.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're talking sub movies. There's tons of them
1: out there. Oh, I yeah.
0: I mean, it was crazy scrolling through all of them. Um, but I picked a couple. I know you picked a couple. you want to go first?
1: Well, I'm going to be... Most of mine, for the most part, are a little older, longer in the tooth. The early, earlier generation, you might say. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hit one of them. These aren't in necessarily the aged order. But the first one I got, because it's a pretty good movie. The Enemy Below, 1957. This is significant for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was directed by Dick Powell, former actor, then became a major TV star. But like a lot of actors, he eventually went into directing. And I mentioned him before when our more war movies, because he also directed a movie called The Hunters, which dealt with uh, fighter pilots during the Korean War, which starred the same actor that he has starring in this, and that is Robert Mitchum. The enemy below is that this deals with the Battle of the Atlantic during World War II, and two able captains on the esp- opposing sides square off in a life-and-death game of tactical maneuvering. You've got Robert Mitchum; he is helming the destroyer. It happens to be the USS Haines in this movie, while his Nazi counterpart, von Stolberg, played by Kurt Jurgens, commands the German U-boat. And they both follow their orders. They push their crews to greater lengths. That you know, the sub is trying to get the advantage of the destroyer. They're trying to destroy it with depth charges, back and forth, back and forth. And eventually, over time, uh, there's a lot of thought in this. Uh, they gain the respect of each other until the ultimate climax. Kurt Jurgens is is important here. He is does really nice job in this, and that's what the, the acting carries the day. And there's some key supporting players. But he also uh, became famous playing a lot of Germans, obviously. But one of the most significant ones he played a little later was Werner Von Braun. And because we'd had our our Apollo 11 show, Mm -hmm. he later appeared in the biopic on Werner Von Braun called I Aim for the Stars. Came out a couple years after this film. This is a good film. It actually got the Best Effects and Special Effects Oscar for this movie. So it's it's really well done. If you like sub, but you want to investigate this is a pretty good one to start with. It's a very intelligent film, I should say. There's a lot of action, but it's 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 the cat and mouse game that is the crux of the movie. Any statistics? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I've decided you know I can't compete on that realm. That's your ball game. You like to bring those up. And besides, some of these movies are so far back there that they weren't so concerned with the box office, or at least they haven't recorded some of them. I took a quick look. So I'm not gonna, unless it's a blockbuster, I'm not gonna worry about. I'm gonna leave that to your your little trademark.
0: Were these back before there was money, like when they bartered, you know?
1: Well, no, not quite that far. We're oh, talking. Okay. This was World War II, you know. And it, I said 1957. We were still huh. uh, the old greenback uh, was still uh, doing okay.
0: That was 24 years before I was born.
1: I told you I'm dealing with the older ones here today. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, so I'm going to go first with Crimson Tide, nice. 1995. I actually watched this yesterday during my little show prep that I do. Directed by Tony Scott, the brother of Ridley St- Scott, who we, if you go back to episode three, I believe, we did a whole whole show on Tony Scott. Ridley, and, Ridley on Ridley. Ridley on Scott, Ridley. yeah. That's yep. And one of the cool things with Ridley Scott was that he did a few movies with Denzel Washington. Well, also, Tony Scott also did four movies, and this is one of them that has Denzel Washington in it. Absolutely. Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, a bunch of other people that he definitely recognized, but I don't know their names. (laughs) The only one that that stands out the most is James Gandolfini from The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. He was on there. So it was a really cool movie. Uh, it's on a U.S. nuclear sub, the Alabama. A young first officer stages a mutiny to prevent his trigger-happy captain from launching his missiles before confirming his orders to do so. Gene Hackman being the captain, he was definitely a, a hard knocks kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know. And test Denzel, give him some questions here and there, and some of the answers he liked, some answers he didn't. Uh, But what happened was they got orders. They were going out. uh, The whole reason they were going out is this section or faction or whatever of the Russian going against the Russian uh, government and was trying to get their hands on nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff, and they wanted war. And there was a fear that he was going to get to those missiles and launch them. So they sent this sub out, and it's their nuclear sub, one of their, the state-of-the-art, that they sent out there. And they actually got the orders once—I think it was a general. I don't recall. I don't uh, anyways, recall. once he started saw. refilling the missiles, it would take an hour for them to launch. So they received—the submarine received correspondence, some sort of emergency message they get, and they have to— go through, and they have to verify Verify. and make sure that it's right, all that kind of stuff. So they get one, and it says that this guy has taken over the the nuclear weapons and was loading. So right at that time, they start getting ready, you know, and they're all like, the captain was like, oh, yeah. I mean, he was really (laughs) somewhat happy, you know. But then while this was going on, all of a sudden there was a Russian sub that they found on sonar, and at first they didn't notice um, the Alabama mm-hmm. but there's a little story in there with Denzel going back and forth about hey a a second uh, about I don't know 20 minutes later or something like that a second correspondence came through but it got cut off because they were too low so Denzel had said hey can we put the buoy up to get the communication and they did but it was making noise so anyways they had a big fight back and forth Denzel ended up taking over the ship because the captain would not it got to a point where he wouldn't go up to see what the rest of the message was. And Denzel's like, "We, we, we got to at least see because what if it's that he gave up or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there is a mutiny thing going on in there, a little tug of war. Um, I don't want to give the whole thing away. Right. It's pretty interesting. And just to give an example of Gene Hackman's character, how crazy he was. He said, uh, we are here to preserve democracy, not to practice it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's it, it. That's pretty it, funny. It, that's,
0: I do have a couple is. trivia things. So the movie's called Crimson Tide because the sub uh, is called the USS Alabama. University of Alabama football team is called the Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Also, the you know, this is another thing. The, the captain has a dog he takes everywhere with him. The dog's name is Bear, and that Bear. is named after Paul Bear Bryant, Bryant was the coach. Alabama. Yeah.
1: yeah, historic coach.
0: And I'm watching this thing. I made a note. I'm watching this thing going... Where in the heck? How is there a dog on this sub? Where does it go to the, then the next scene? just they go. The captain goes for an inspection, and all of a sudden the dog just <laughs> lifted its leg at the Oh, p- so I guess I oh
1: my God. I forgot about <laughs> that. I forgot about the dog. You see, Dendil, it's been a while since I've seen it.
0: Denzel's got this look on his face like, what? Here's a couple. Here's, here's very interesting because the complete opposite of what I'm about to say happened on the next movie I'm talking about. But on this movie, the U.S. Navy, they objected to the subject of the film and how inaccurate it was. So it refused to provide any assistance for the movie. So since the Navy wouldn't cooperate, the French Navy allowed them to use their Triumph class submarine along with, because there's an aircraft carrier seen right. in the movie. That is a French aircraft carrier. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, usually, and particularly when you go back to these older films, a lot of times you'll see at the end, and generally you will with anything that uses the military, full co-op, we thank thank the U.S. Navy, thank the U.S. Marine Corps, Army, whoever. And there's usually, they also list the commanders or the generals who have assisted as the consultant to make things correct. So that's interesting that they actually filmed this and didn't have that kind of... uh,
0: yeah, nowadays it, it seems like they get full Oh yeah, you know, cooperation. They'll use some of the the guys as extras and stuff like that. Sure. But I thought sure. that was interesting. Denzel said he took this role. He wanted to be in this movie because he wanted to be in there jousting with a master, Gene Hackman. A couple other things I have here. The last 60 minutes of the movie, which is when that guy started refilling the, the missile until it was time to shoot the shoot it down. It was actually done in real time, so the last sixty minutes of the movie are the sixty minutes as it's going. So there's no. Uh, I thought that was pretty, just a pretty well, cool that they I, stuck to that.
1: I think that is exceptionally a good idea. It's done in few films where you where you you're trying to find the bomb, they're trying to find the the person before they run out of air or whatever. They're locked in something, and to, it really heightens attention because if you sit there and it's fifteen minutes and it's taken an hour and a half to get through that 15 minutes right. They've jam so much in there, sometimes it's hard to suspend your disbelief. Right. But when, when they're doing it, you say, oh, my God. And they keep going to the clock, or they'll go to the, right. They'll show the clock at some point, and you know this is real time. It really gets the edge up, and that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like it when they can do it. Well, you can't always do it, I guess. But.
0: And, I, and I, I misspoke earlier. Tony Scott did five movies with Denzel. Mm-hmm. And four, with James Gandolfini.
1: Yeah, the one that I jumped out with in the remake of uh, Pelham One, Two, Three, Taking a Pelham. He played the mayor of New York in that one. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one I remember that pops up that that in a Tony Scott film.
0: Lastly, be- before I give the financials, I know you don't like when I do this. Uh, so what? Me complain? Captain Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Jack ha- or um, Hackman. Yeah. Originally, the role was offered to Al Pacino. Tommy Lee Jones was offered and passed it. Warren Beatty wanted it, and they wouldn't give it to him That so, and then this one I, this one I don't I put on the end of my note here. I don't believe this because Tony Scott, Denzel, Washington, I don't see them going from uh, Andy Garcia, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise that they were preferred. Before Denzel Washington, I don't believe that, but it was in the notes, so I thought yeah. I'd throw it in there. Andy Garcia was one of the early choices for the role, but then it says also was Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and I'm like, what's that's crazy. Uh, budget fifty three million, worldwide, worldwide, a worldwide gross one hundred and fifty eight million. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, Denzel and I think Hackman and Denzel head to head. Oh, that was great. And, and, and Hackman was in his prime at that time. Uh, What year that was at? 95. 95, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, as I said, I read the Eastwood biography, and when they did Unforgiven, Hackman did that in 92, or they got the award. Anyway, so three years earlier, he was in an Academy Award winner, and he was still in his prime, and Eastwood wanted him for the role that he played. So, I mean, Hackman was in a lot of stuff, you know, but...
0: You know, I mean, we could do a whole episode on him.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, all these actors. We could take any of these actors, and directors. I mean, we'd go on till the cows come home, literally. Yeah. So, but I'm, my next one's another, what you would say, is an oldie. This came out in 1958. I love this film. It's in black and white. Uh, the other one, I should say, the other one was in color, which is which really adds to the authenticity. But run silent, run deep, and this is based. Actually, on uh, it's a submarine movie, obviously, as we're talking about, and it stars two of my faves from the old days. One is Burt Lancaster, who plays the second in command, who's upset because he got passed over because he thought he was going to get command of this particular submarine, and they bring in an older guy, played by Clark Gable. Clark Gable. And this is just uh, made during the last couple of years of, of Clark's life. But these two guys, I mean, we're talking movie stars here. Forget actors. These are movie stars. And they command the screen. And it's a terrific story. And the reason that Clark Gable wants this command, and it basically has demanded it almost, is he had lost a sub to this Japanese destroyer. And he wants to get even. He wants to go take this sub back to the very place where he lost his other crew. And these people were sweating it out. Because he's on this, what they think is kind of a suicide, suicide mission. mission. Yeah. So that you've got the tension between the com- captain, you've got the people wondering what the heck are we getting ourselves into, and uh, it's 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 well done. A couple of things I'm going to borrow from you on this on the trivia because I did look up some of this because I think this is really cool. Now it's again, Dick Powell is a pretty good director. This was directed earlier in his career, Robert Wise, who had done the sci-fi films and also. I think he's the one that directed uh, Sound of Music. Didn't he eventually do Sound of Music? I have to correct Who was it? Robert Wise. Robert Wise. You can check that. But anyway, Clark Gable was a professional actor, no doubt about it. But he didn't like to work past 5 o'clock because at this time and stage of his life, he was tired and wrung out by quitting time. Interesting, the real captain that this character is based upon was 23 years old. Clark Gable was 58. He was old enough to be a, an admiral, a well-established, <laughs> long-in-his-career admiral. Clark G- uh, Bert Lancaster, of course, is in his acting prime. He's in this period of the 50s, and he's going to win the Academy Award in 1960. I mean, I loved him. He's, ac- he's action. He's, he's just vibrant on the screen. The other thing, this was filmed aboard the real uh, sub called the U.S. Redfish. Now... Clark Gable spent a lot of time with the crew members, the real crew members, talking to them and so on. Burt Lancaster didn't spend time with the crew. He was in the officer's mess with the officers. <laughs> so there's a there's a little uh, thing, Ed. One of the things, you know, the backstories on Act, I, I don't know, you said I didn't like it. I like those stories about they were going to cast somebody, and I usually say, who?, how did they get that idea? I love the stories about how somebody changed what they were going to do or why they chose someone, and so on.
0: I think it was <clears throat> when we were doing the Batman, and they were just—it was some of some of it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous.
1: So, I, I remember that it was going ridiculous on. I mean, gee whiz! <laughs> I mean, I you know once it's cast and you see it, I say, how could he have done anything else? I mean, it's when they did *Gone with the Wind*. Everybody in the world who had ever read that book knew there's only one guy that was going to play Rhett Butler. That was Clark Gable. It was a who's going to play the other characters. There no doubt about Gable. And anybody who watched Gone with the Wind, a thousand times it's on TV. I mean, he's a movie star. The interesting, One last thing here, and I was saying off uh, mic here the comedian Frank Gorshin, who was relatively unknown at that time, was originally testing for a role of the petty officer a member of the crew. But he didn't like to fly, so he drove to the test, the screen test. Was in an accident, fractured his skull, spent four days in the hospital. When he woke up, another comedian, a guy that most people still remember, even though he has died not too long ago, Don Rickles took that role, and he's he's got several scenes where he's his kind of semi crabby, right. uh, the testy self in this thing. <laughs> but it's a good film. It's a it, there's tension, the tension, and again, just like. Uh, the Enemy Below, when you have two major stars, well, you just talked about it, Denzel and Hackman. These are movie stars going at it. Right. You pay attention when these guys are on screen, and that's why this film, the story is pretty good. It's been around a long time. It's been shown on TV many times. If you haven't seen it and you want to watch a, a classic sub-movie, that's one, Run Silent, Run Deep.
0: I, I checked the way back machine. Yep. Robert Weiss mm-hmm. was the director of Simon good,
1: good. the old brain's still working there's a guy. This is what you see these people that work, and we've talked about some lesser films that these people do periodically, and somebody out there says that guy did that other movie. you know that's this is what it is. They hang around long enough they they get the big ones.
0: righty. My next movie is one we actually saw together. Two thousand eighteen Hunter Killer, directed by Donovan Marsh. Starring Gerard Butler, Gary Oldman, Common, the rubber. And this is the last movie made before Michael Nyquist. Nyquist, I can never say Our buddy from uh, From John Wick. Wick. Yes.
1: And he also, the girl with the dragon tattoo in the Swedish versions that we talked about. Yeah, we liked him a lot. Even the few movies we've seen him, we liked him.
0: Yeah, he plays a Russian uh, in this movie just like he did in Wick, even though he's (laughs) Swedish. He's Swedish, he's (laughs) Swedish,
1: yeah, he's Swedish.
0: So this movie is about an untested American submarine captain who teams with the U.S. Navy SEALs to rescue the president of Russia who had been kidnapped by a rogue general, which... It's funny because that's the kidnapping didn't happen, but it was like a rogue somebody in the last movie I just talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, so yeah, I remember this one went pretty well. So the Navy SEALs were dropped in to secure the president and get him to to the sub, and the sub had to do some crazy stuff to get where it needed to go. I mean, it was it was a booby trapped. I, I can't remember. All I can remember a grid underwater, and they actually had to. Like,
1: oh yeah, it was a subnet. Go around it, the edge It was a subnet. Yeah, a big subnet blocking the like a fjord. was almost like a, a very narrow entrance to that.
0: So Gerard Butler is the captain, and he's an untested captain. Uh, Common, and Gary Oldman. They're they're at the Pentagon or the White House or something. That all their scenes are done. Common's the one that gave him the um, the captain's chair. I guess you'd say of the sub. Yep. Gary Oldman is the I, I believe he's a chief of staff He's the head of the, yeah, he's not, a joint
1: chiefs. Joint chiefs, I think. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the head of the joint chiefs. Uh, because there's a couple he's times where chiefs. he's like,
0: you know, who is this guy? Does he know what he's doing? But, so it's a really nice movie, really good. There's, there's a couple of things. So the submarine that they're on, state-of-the-art Virginia-class sub. Here's the funny part about it. The submarine is called in the movie the USS Arkansas. Yeah. Right? right. Which is the name of a real U.S. virgin-class sub that just went into construction in 2018 and is scheduled to be commissioned until 2023 <laughs> uh, but it is a real <laughs> it's state-of-the-art I mean it's pretty yeah. cool I was I was looking at some just to kind of remember I was looking at some of the movie trailers yeah. after Crimson Tide right and I mean the just the all the logistics and all the the screens and stuff like that it's like light years ahead of it uh, so that was pretty good this is based on a book 2012 novel, *Firing Point* by Don Keith and George Wallace. So, to gain more authenticity, the filming and production team had partnered with the U.S. Navy. So, almost what ten years, thirteen yeah. years later, now the Navy's <laughs> right. So, for for virtually every single aspect of the movie's design, the U.S. Navy partnered with with the film crew, Gerard Butler and the director. Marsh spent four days aboard the USS Houston to research the movie. While, while on board the Houston, Butler spent his nights in the XO's quarters. Yeah, and, you know. and while the <laughs> while the director was in with the with the lower guys. Yeah, well there you go. Man. <laughs> and here's one for you. This is actually going to tie this movie into my next movie, right. the DSRV, a deep submergence rescue vehicle that was used in this this movie Mm -hmm. is the same exact one that is used in the Hunt for the Red October.
1: Ah, yeah. I got a feeling that's your next one. Huh? Yeah, it's my next one. But I thought
0: that was pretty cool. It's using <laughs> the, the same exact thing.
1: The one thing, there's two things about this. Again, here we go. Gerard Butler, nothing like an Irish guy playing in a, a, an American, American submarine captain. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, we heard some, we watched some of this stuff that they have off the DVD. And one thing, he, just like he did in the Batman, he got to play a good guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because the last
1: time he was a bad guy in your, we talked about the airplane movies Air and Force he's one. Air Force One. He. Get off my plane! You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> get off my plane. This movie cost forty million to make, and unfortunately, it grossed thirty-two million.
1: Yeah, I got a feeling. You know, we we watched it. We like it because we're a butler kind of guy. We like Oldman. We liked everybody who's in the film, but it just had a. There was something about it that. There's also a group of uh, Navy SEALs who are operating, I think they're Navy SEALs, who are operating on land to kind of coordinate this rescue mission. Right. And I thought those scenes were really pretty good. Some of the submarine stuff, I don't know, maybe they tried too hard. I don't know. Uh, but.
0: There's that one scene where they're diving and they're all standing there. And yeah. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, where on the
0: crimson tide they were all, like, falling over yeah. each other. When
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think in the, the October when you're going to talk about it, it's a little different, too. But anyway, so, all right, I'm going to pull out another classic, and I'm doing this because this is 1951. We're going, wait, we're getting back there now. Operation Pacific, and I have to bring this up because of all the war movies that we've talked about. Anytime there's a war movie, you got to talk about John Wayne. This is a John Wayne submarine movie. He's paired with, his name is Duke, oh, get it, I get it. Duke Gifford. How about that? Wow. And the crew of the Thunderfish. They're attacked by the Japanese during a rescue mission, and they almost fail because their torpedoes malfunction. Oh, I hate when that happens. So he he goes back to Pearl. He, he's going to get refitted, but he's battling the brass on this. Meanwhile, he's, he's dealing with his ex-wife, who's played by Patricia Neal. Da-da-da-da-da. So there's personal conflict. He's got the war going on. I mean, it's... It's not a great movie, but since I watch all John Wayne movies, and I watched this a bunch way back when on the late show with my father, but this movie was filmed on a low budget. doesn't say what it was, but they had to use all the shots of the subs, and any ships were all stock footage from World War II. Now, a lot of films, for you folks out there who watch a lot of these older movies, World War II, most of the films that were made afterwards were done in black and white because they would show the actual landings on the beaches. They'd show the actual wow. uh, firing of ships and so on. They could show the, the battleships and the carriers taking off. So they could mince that right, fit that right into the, the film. This thing was all filmed on a soundstage in Hollywood. Now, a really? couple of interesting things here. You got me going here. John Wayne and Patricia Neal didn't get along at all. They're supposed to be the love interest. And this happens in movies. They, they're acting, after all. Mainly because apparently there was a gay publicity officer and John Wayne really didn't take to the guy. And she thought he was bad to him, so she didn't like him. They made a film later with Otto Preminger called In Harm's Way. Another, he's a big Navy commander along with, uh, and Kirk Douglas is in that film, 1965. They were recast. She said he had mellowed. John Wayne had mellowed. Of course, he had just battled uh, lung cancer, so he had uh, probably got uh, a little more cheerful about anybody. So the other thing, sidebar of this, for you who know Gary Cooper, the old actor, he visited the set because his mistress at the time was Patricia Neal, one of those Hollywood behind the scene romance. He was still married, as I am assuming he's still married. I don't they didn't say that, but that's an interesting point. So that added a little bit of a tension <laughs> to the whole thing. But Operation Pacific 1951. And that I'm bringing this up because it's in the mold of a whole bunch of movies none of which are you would say are great films, but they were inspired by the events and a kind of a retelling of exploits to keep people in touch with what had happened in World War II. And there was a market for it. People loved going to see these and see the heroic efforts of the Marines, the Navy, the Army. So all these films that we've talked about, any of these war movies, were well-received. And there you go. John Wayne. Had to get him in here somehow.
0: Okay, so my next movie is one of my favorites. I was thinking we should some at some point... Like a top ten, let's say we have a top ten that we know both of us have. But then, as a movie comes up, that we're going, wait a minute, actually, I'm going to take this off of my top ten. I'm going to replace it with this. Yeah, that probably would happen several times. Yeah, at least for me because I don't, I don't have the, um, the memory like you do.
1: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I, I blocked these in and I said I've got some. We haven't even touched westerns, and westerns is really one of my genres that I've really well again. My father was a big Western guy. I loved it, but and the first movie I saw was Shane. So right, right off the bat, uh, I'm hooked on, and I watch a lot of. I've watched a lot of them over the time.
0: Do I know what my yeah. first Western was?
1: No. Yeah, I mean, yes, I want to know, but I don't know what it is.
0: Uh, when I'd sleep over my grandma grandpa's house, my grandma every once in a while she liked playing show, you know, like uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Big hand for the little lady. Yep. That was, uh, yeah, was my a, first Western. I
1: think Henry Fonda was in that. Yeah, there and, uh, was a Henry, bunch of them. I, I don't know if, uh, if James Stewart was in that one, but I, I think it was uh, Henry Fonda. I, I that know the is film a great movie.
0: That has the a huge woof twist at the yeah, end.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. It's been a while, but I, I, it, and that shows up on TV a lot. I mean, all these do. I mean, being as John Wayne, I just rewatched True Grit, the original. I the Jeff Bridges one I like, but you know, I enjoyed. John Wayne, he won the Academy Award for it in it. Glenn Campbell and so on. So when it's on, oh, what the heck? I watch it again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so, so my last movie uh, is one of my favorites. Every time it's on, I, I'm watching it The Hunt for Red October, 1990, directed by John McTiernan. I'm so
1: bad with names. I... McTiernan, I think. There we go. McTiernan. McTiernan. He also better. did The Die Hard, he did the first Die Hard film. I think he may have done number three, too, but he did the first Die Hard movie, too. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Cool. It stars Sean Connery mm-hmm. as Marco Ramus, Russian. <laughs> Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. Actually, he's
1: not Russian. He is uh, Luf- from... Lithuanian. Lithuanian, yes.
0: Yeah. Alec Baldwin, Jack Ryan. It also include, uh, also stars Scott Glenn, Sam Neill, James Earl Jones, and yeah. it just goes on it, and on. Yeah, it's a great film. Richard Jordan. Um, Love him. Tim Curry, which I, oh, he was a doctor. He was he a was doctor. Russian he doctor. was the Russian doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So. It's based on a book.
0: Yeah, it's based on a book, Tom Clancy, which is another show we can do. Oh, yeah. Tom and, it, and
1: you were talking about, and I've got to jump in here, you were talking about the authenticity. Yeah. When you read a Clancy book, because he had so many connections with the Pentagon and people in intelligence and so on, his books are so accurate without giving away state secrets or something. So when, and he is now gone, but I'm sure he was consulting. If you look at the credits, I forget, but right. he he made sure that this thing was not going to be some slapdash production it, of his it, books.
0: It's funny because, you know, most of the stuff in his books are all, you know, confirmed. And yep. So uh, I was going to say this in the trivia, but the... The main crutch of this this movie is about a sub that has, I think they call it the caterpillar. Yes, it's an engine that makes them like you can't you can't hear them. It makes the sub sound like it's a it's a pool of dolphins or something like that, or you know, the a whale dolphin. or a yeah. so the whale. So the trivia I was going going to say that there were some congressmen after they saw this movie that were ticked. They went to the Pentagon and said, "How could Russia beat us and get in getting this caterpillar?" That part was made up.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, they, he, But they thought it was he, real.
0: Yeah. Tom Clancy edited his book. Yeah, his books are great. Uh, so we have uh, Marco Ramos is a senior Lithuanian Luthi- sub-captain mm-hmm. whose plans to defect are met with strong opposition by his own Soviet Navy and American misconceptions of his intentions. Mm-hmm. CIA analyst Jack Ryan, the one who sees the defection, must convince most of the u s Navy he is correct. the action climaxes with an amazing naval battle, but who will win the hunt for red october?
1: yeah it's a it's a terrific film. it, it you know it's uh, I love all the characters. Uh, and this you, the introduction here of on the screen of Jack Ryan, and I thought Baldwin was terrific. first oh, yeah. of all, he he fit the profile now. When they made the rest of them, Harrison Ford came in, which was a good, pretty good replacement. I know there's a backstory. I don't remember. We'll have to maybe we can comment on that next time before we get into whatever the subject is, because uh, why he couldn't take that. I don't think it was because they didn't like him on screen. Something had to happen. Had and that Harrison came in, and I don't. I wonder to this day, Baldwin's had some success, and he's kind of a cantankerous character in person. I'd wondered that his day, as he himself, boy, if I yes. could have been in those others, I, I'd have made a lot more money. <laughs> and then um,
0: after Harrison Ford, um, Ben Affleck played him, Jack yes, Ryan, in, in uh, Some of All of Fears. All Fears, yes. Uh, then also Chris Pine played him more recently, movie wise.
1: And, and he was being trained by another guy, another oh, major actor. <laughs> played by, oh, here we go, go ahead. Kevin Costner. Yeah. He's you realize how many movies this guy makes that everybody seems to know about or watches? The guy is... <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it is, really. I, we You go back through our episodes, folks, you're going to find Kevin Costner as... Uh, Sprinkles. Mrs. Cleek would say not him again come yeah. on
0: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah and anyway currently there is someone playing Jack Ryan on an Amazon yes. show and I haven't had a chance to watch I it I haven't either it's the guy from The Office I, I don't know the name yeah. but, uh, there's a couple of cool quotes that I like in this movie there's one I can't find that um, will play right here comrades
1: our own fleet doesn't know our full potential They will do everything possible to test us, but they will only test their own embarrassment. We will leave our fleet behind. We will pass through the American patrols, pass their sonar nets, and lay off their largest city, and listen to their rock and roll while we conduct missile drills. And when we are finished, the only sound they will hear is our laughter. While well, we sail to Havana, while well, the sun is warm, so is the
0: comrades. Okay, so that's one of my favorite ones. Then there's the, the the character Jeffrey Pelt, who's played by Richard Jordan. Nice. There's a few times when he is. Um, I don't even know what position he plays. He is
1: some diplomatic position. He's in the State Department somehow. Or yeah, you know, or
0: like maybe National Security Advisor. Yeah, he might or be. Yeah, like I think
1: it is. Yeah, I, I forget because it's been a while since I've seen it. But
0: so here's a couple of his quotes. I'm a
1: politician, which means I'm a cheat and a liar, and when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. But it also means that I keep my options open.
0: <laughs> so there, there's that. Yeah. Then there was some back and forth between him and he's a russian ambassador ambassador yeah russian ambassador there's one going back and forth where um, they're asking america to help them find a rogue sub that Mm -hmm. they're you know forth and trying to find the red october because they want it back and then he even came a little bit later and said he said now you want us to help you hunt down and kill the the, the sub so the ambassador comes comes in this is towards the end of the movie i'm not going to tell you what happened but right anyways the ambassador says there is another matter. One that I'm reluctant to. Please. One of our submarines, an Alpha, was last reported in the area of the Grand Banks. We have not heard from her for some time. Andre.
1: You've lost another submarine? It's very good.
0: That was. Uh... Some memorable ones, except uh, all the ones from Sean Connery. My my only Sean Connery imitation is helsh Belch, Does that sound like a little? Helsh Belch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe not. Sean Connery uh, prepared for the role. Uh, he spent a lot of time underway aboard the USS Puffer hmm. preparing for the role. Uh, he was actually given commander status and allowed to give commands while they were underway. Oh, With cool. the captain beside him. Of yeah, course. of course. But, but, I mean, cool. I'd
1: be like... Well if they w- they hear that voice coming over the mic, you know, whoa, over the speakers. That's Sean Connery. <laughs> that guy sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs> that's what it's Bond. James yes. Bond's on his board. <laughs> uh, so, I love him.
0: Love him. Yeah, I don't want to go into too much no, detail. No, but fine. you have to see that
1: movie. Or read the book too. Read the book. But they're both good. I mean I love the characters, love the movie. It worked. I've seen it several times. My wife loves it. We watch those th- that's one we watch together. All right, I got one other one here, and I'm going to cheat a little bit at the, at the end, not this. I got another little cheat I'm going to do before we sign off. But this is 1981, Das Boot. And the reason this is significant, because this is a film that took the perspective of the German submarine crew during World War II and what they were going through, you know, having to stay under, under, underwater, avoiding being blown up by depth charges, Running low on food, running low on the normal things that a sub crew is going through. But it's seen through the eyes of the German crew. Now, the director is Wolfgang Peterson, who Eddie brought up. And well, he's done several movies. This is, as I believe, 1981. This is when he first got recognized, particularly in this country and probably opened up the door for him in Hollywood. Right. But because this was a well-received film uh, it's done in German, French, English. It's actually a, uh, and Das Boot means the boat. It's an adaptation of a 1973 German novel of the same name. And it's a fictional story of a crew of a U-96. That's their designated for the submarine. But the screenplay was inspired in part by exploits of real-life crew members who served on these submarine crews thing that I wanted to mention is also it made a star, an international star, and recognized here, and he got mo- work in American movies, Jürgen, Jürgen Prochnow. He ended up playing a bad guy in a couple movies. There's something off the top of my head I can't remember, but he has a unique face. But this brought him to the attention, and he eventually made movies here in the U.S. So that's Das Boot. And Peterson, of course, went on to make several films. Eddie talked about Air Force One in the, our airplane movie, he also did Troy, with Brad Pitt, which we talked about way back when we were. T- I, I talked about when I did my thing on uh, the types of movies, along with uh, Kingdom of Heaven, and Brad Pitt. This is that's the Trojan War, Helen right. of Troy, and so on. So that's Das Boot. And it's it you'll be sweating uh, when you watch this thing, you'll be sweating right along with the crew because it's pretty excruciating the conditions that they're operating under, which was the whole purpose of the movie. And it's from the German perspective, not the American before we uh, before I ask the last question, Eddie, I'm going to steal a little Disney thunder here. But I got got a little story that goes with this. Another sub movie. And this is based on a book and it's based on a science fiction book by Jules Verne. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, produced by Walt Disney, Disney Films, 1954. Now, I'm telling this for a couple of reasons. First, it's based on a pretty good story, and it has an excellent cast. Kirk Douglas, James Mason, Paul Lucas, and Peter Lorre, who's famous from the uh, Maltese Falcon. Anyway, the gist of the story is that Captain Nemo, who's played by... James Mason, sets out to bring peace to the world. He wants to do away with war, and one of the ways he does it is by using this submarine to destroy ships. (laughs) And the great scene I remember as a kid is when the giant octopus, or it's actually a giant squid, gets hold of the uh, Nautilus, which is the name of the sub, and Kurt Douglas and his friends have been captured by Nemo because they shipwrecked. And Kirk Douglas is a harpooner, so he uses the harpoon to get the squid off the sub. Anyway, it's a terrific version of beautifully, and there's a lot of underwater photography which Disney did, and it's all in color. It's magnificent. If nothing else, not only a good story, just to watch the film uh, the way this is done. It got Academy Award for best visual effects and a an Academy Award for best Production design and it was also directed by Richard Fleischer who became famous later on for several movies into the 70s now the reason I wanted to bring this up. I Went to the movies a lot as a kid. All right when I was going Eddie uh, I wasn't as far back when it was nickel and dimes But <laughs> my local theater it was basically 25 cents and we could get in and watch a double feature That's why I spent my Saturdays and sometimes a Sunday in the movie house But when a Disney movie came to town, everybody, all the kids were going to go there. And the parents would even go because the movies were pretty good. And this is a this is a very this you could take the whole family to this thing. It's Very exciting.
0: Did the quarter go up to 50 cents or
1: 35 cents? (laughs) And the reason that I'm telling you, I got 35 cents to take to the movies, 25 to get me in and I could take 10, 10 cents for popcorn. But what I really like to do, I could get two boxes of Juji Fruits Five cents a box. And I always wore a shirt with a pocket because I'd put the two boxes in my shirt pocket. I could tear the lids off. And during the movie, I could just reach in there and do it. But because it went to 35 and I only had 35, I went, I went hungry to watch <laughs> this movie. So after that, whenever it was I had to ask for more money if I was going to a Disney film. Wow. So anyway, that's my story. And uh, a
0: box of candy now costs like $3. Oh, uh,
1: yeah yeah they say the they don't make the move they don't make the money on the movies they make it on all the extra stuff right so what's <laughs> a clock on the wall telling us eddie
0: well johnny it looks like it is that time again but before i turn it over to you as always thank you for listening and subscribing to our show we have several awesome shows coming up you do not want to miss our upcoming halloween show tell your friends and family even the crazy uncle that goes to the horror conventions. He'll get a kick out of it, too. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. Visit Johnny's blog on our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. There you'll find additional commentary, show notes, and references that were mentioned in the show. The easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we'retalkingmovies.com. Click on the Subscribe Now link up at the top right of the page, and it'll give you a list of all the different platforms you can choose from. If you have a show idea, send a comment through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at WeTalkingMovies. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Movies. We would love it if you would like our page. That's it
1: for me. Looks like that's all for today then, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again. to the set.